Well, welcome everyone to the um, first session of the day for Worldwide Public Sector. Um, thanks for coming. I have the pleasure of introducing <laughs> the first speaker, which is Tim Richardson. Tim is the Cloud Information, uh, Innovation Architect for Exploration. His responsibilities include cloud migration, and like workspaces modernization, uh, and the creation of the Agile uh, development environment. Uh, Kim was, Tim is also the lead for the Odyssey project, which was responsible for, for making NGA products and services available at the tactical edge. And he's going to explain that to you today about how this is, revolutionizes uh, NGA's you know, tactical deployment of imagery. With all due respect, here we go, Tim. So I'm going to make one quick note. Um, my views are my views. They're my, my uh, impressions, and they do not necessarily represent the uh, views of the DOD. <laughs> Those are my disclaimers. Uh, so good morning. Uh, reInvent 2018 is kicked off. This is your actual first session, unless you were at Midnight Madness last, last night. Uh, did anybody in here actually attend Midnight Madness? Did anybody? Yeah, so we got some drummers. We got some drummers, maybe some wing eaters. I hope you guys got some coffee because uh, I'm hoping that we have lots of questions. Unlike the rest of your sessions, I'm hoping that, and I like the fact that I see some pencils and pens, I'm hoping to get your feedback, but more importantly, I'm going to need your help, right? Uh, we're here to talk about the success that we've had in moving uh, data uh, across the world, uh, but more importantly, like I said, we're going we're to pinpoint you and ask you for some information, right? So what I want to hit on first is kind of give you a little context about NGA, because some of you may or may not know about NGA, and I'm going to start that by a famous painting, right? So this painting, you probably have heard of Leonardo da Vinci, but what you're probably not familiar with is the fact that he was a famous painter that was interested in knowing how the world worked, right? So this painting here was one of the first paintings that he did of, uh, of a city architecture, and what he did is he, he drew up a map of a MOLA, right? So this is a world-famous map uh, that, that he created. And so what we did as an agency is we grew that. There were many folks beyond da Vinci that, uh, that wanted to know how the world worked. And so our agency uh, decided that that's what we're going to do, right? We're going we're gonna to teach folks and we're going we're gonna to build maps and we're going we're gonna to learn uh, more and more about what, what the world looks like. And, and we produce that every day. So we, we had to come up with a motto at our organization, and it's pretty simple, right? Know the earth, show the way, and understand the world, right? So what does that mean to you? You know, we're at an IT tech conference. That means we have a lot of data, right? We, uh, we at NGA uh, um, and the rest of our GeoInt partners, we provide America and our allies the, the most world's premier uh, GeoInt services, period, right? So we provide all that data everywhere. So over the next few minutes, I'm going to take a, a, a few minutes of your time today, and I'm going to explain to you, um, and not just explain, but I'm going to show you a live demo of how we're going to provide those successes that we do today uh, in the future. So now if we can just take a minute, right? I really like to put things into focus, right? So I'm going to take and I'm going to, I'm going to put the future into focus for you, right? So, but in order to do that, I need to go back. I need to go back into the future, and I need to explain to you a little bit of history. So this is Miss Marie Tharp. Uh, Miss Tharp was a legendary oceanographic uh, cartographer. And what's really cool about this, uh, this image that you're seeing here is she was the first person, not, not woman, the first person to complete a map of the entire ocean floor. 
right? So through her work, she was able to uh, define what we now know as plate tectonics, right? So the, the ability for, for us to know, you know, how the, the earth actually comes together and moves. And so where we go, right, is, is with, her, with her research, we collect uh, more and more data every day, right? So if you see there, there's a big contrast from what she did back in, in her time frame with the data collection to what we produce today of the ocean floor, right? So what I want to point out here is back in her day, how did she do storage, right? So, so we're at a tech conference, we're talking about data, right? Back in her day, she would store that data in a tube. And if she wanted someone to know the, the latest uh, ocean information, she would take that and she would put it on a, on a boat or she would, she would have someone hand carry that tube of data. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna explain to you how we do that same concept today, right? So could you guys imagine just packing your data up, shipping it around in a tube like that? Well, let's, uh, let's talk about it, right? So as I mentioned a second ago, I wanted to give you, you know, fast forward a little bit with respect to uh, explaining how we're doing things, right? So at NGA, in the past year alone, we've ingested over 12 million images, right? So a lot of data, right? In addition to that, we, we have indexed over 50 million observations, right? So those observations, not all of them could be done by a human, right? So that basically means, hey, I, I know I can see on my my picture of the world that there's a new building, right? They built the new Sears Tower or, you know, there's a, there's a new road. So we, we have to create those observations. I'm here to tell you, we, we can't do that with our own eyes, right? So we actually have 75% um, of those observations are done automatically, right? We, we machine create those observations. So in order to be able to create those observations and, and view all of that content, right? We would need over 8 million analysts, right? We don't employ 8 million analysts, and I'm pretty sure there aren't 8 million analysts in the world that can do that kind of content discovery. So where does, where does that lead us, right? This is where we're gonna need some of your help, right? So in order to be able to reduce those timelines, right? So right now it takes a long time for us to create all those observations. We're gonna need to do some automation, right? We're gonna need to create applications, and that's what we're doing, right? So today, we're developing applications right, internally, right, a government organization creating applications on their own, not really a known thing. So we're hiring, we're hiring developers. We want that talent, right? So if you're a developer and you're looking for a job, let us know, right? Um, so how can you help, right? So how can industry help or how can you as other organizations help? Well, it's pretty simple, right? We need to automate all of that, right? So we need the artificial intelligence, we need machine learning. We're gonna need your help to not only, not only mature that, but we're, we're gonna have to use that across the board, right? So we're all gonna need to help each other. We know what we need to see, you know what you need to see, so let's come together as, an, as a team, right? And, and create that, that AI ML feel for uh, geospatial data. All right, so I'm gonna bring us you know, a little further into context about you know, the, the topic, right? So I'm here to tell you how we move data, how we revolutionized how we moved our data. So why did I put up a slide that talks about you know, data ingest? Well, for us, the future came earlier this year. When I mean earlier this year, earlier in January, um, we were approached by two organizations called COCOMs, right? So our COCOMs are combatant commanders and they have uh, responsibilities in different uh, theaters or different locations in the world. 
And so our PACOM and CENTCOM commanders came to us and said, hey, we have a list of needs, right? We need to be able to ingest new data, right? We need to be able to discover the data, whether it's new or old. We need to be able to take that data, right, and find it, right? Because who has a lot of data that you can't find? Everyone in this room probably has a lot of data that you can't find. So we needed to create those tools, right? Exploitation. Now, that word might mean a lot to some folks. I'm going to say it's pretty simple. We needed our folks to be able to analyze that data and provide stuff, right? So somebody has a new picture, I need to know what's in it, right? So we, they needed to be able to do that. And so at the tactical edge, right, in, in those locations, we, we needed something fast. It couldn't, it couldn't wait. And so the, a, a, when Amazon created the, the newly enhanced Snowball Edge, it was the option for us at that time to, to move forward. And so with, with, any, with any project, right, we all have those teams and we get together and we say, hey, we've got this really cool, you know, idea. Well, we all try to overly complicate it, right? Because we all have people that create these kind of, you know, things and say, hey, you don't have the right vocabulary or I, I want my own copy of the data, right? Because my team is special, right? Well, we couldn't do that. We had to be brilliant at the basics, right? So when I say brilliant at the basics, I really mean br brilliant at the basics. We had to go back and say, we're gonna create one common repository. So what did that mean? If you're, an, if you're one of our applications, you have to put the data in, right? Because our other applications need to know about it, right? Because what's the problem that we have? Discovery and, and awareness of the content, right? So, and the, the other part was, was when, when your user on an application would create content, right, we want everyone to be aware of any newly created content. So you, it, it, was a, it was a nice cycle, right? It comes in, you're aware of it, user creates content, we, we made this nice repetitive cycle so everyone was aware of the content. Other things we did, right, and these might seem very minuscule for some folks, but we set up daily tag-ups or daily scrums, right? So imagine being able to communicate Right? So the federal government communicating, it's, it's a really good thing, right? We communicate on the daily basis. We, we say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Hey, I need your help. Hey, uh, you know, group over here, you're doing this. I, I don't know what you're doing. Can, can you help me learn? Right? And so having those ongoing meetings were a huge success for us. The other thing that we did is we created a central repository, right? So we're a code repository. U.S. government code repository. Wow, it's kind of crazy. But what it did is it allowed teams to say, hey, you created that little snippet of code. I'm gonna use that snippet of code over here. Is that cool? Right, code sharing, right? So being able to do that, being able to do it in the cloud, being able to do it in, in the, the, the way we were doing it it, 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 it brought risk, right? But what we did is we owned that risk, right? And, and when we owned that risk, we became what we call in our organization a project or a program. And that program for us was called Odyssey. Right, and so I, I wanna explain what Odyssey means from a, different, uh, a, a dictionary standpoint, right? Odyssey, as defined by Webster, is a long wandering or a voyage that's uh, marred or marked by many changes of fortune. I'm here to tell you today, since the beginning of January, we've gone a long journey, right? Now, most of you think, yeah, January isn't that long, but in federal government time, it's a long time. When you have a customer that has a critical need, a month is a long time, right? So we had three and a half months, right? So three and a half months from the time that we got told, hey, you're gonna do this, 
to actually delivering for the customer, right? So the guys were like, hey, we really need this. So, and, and along the way, we had a lot of change, right? So our team will tell you that, that it, wasn't, it wasn't an easy, like, hey, I'm going to go flip the switch on like you do in, in the rest of the cloud. We're literally taking the cloud and we're putting it in the far reaches of the world, right? So our Odyssey solution needed to satisfy that tactical edge requirement in South Korea and Afghanistan, right? So we literally had to figure out how to put the cloud in those locations. And so in using the snowball edge, NGA was able to deliver the, tactical, uh, the cloud to the tactical edge. Now, let's talk about that, that overall solution, right? So I talked about a lot of data, right? So let's talk about that data. We had to create a cluster of a petabyte of storage, right? So we all talk about a petabyte of storage and it's a lot of data. Imagine being able to put that in a rack, in a tactical location without having to, you know, worry about, you know, long lead times of acquisition, right? Now, most of you probably are familiar with the federal acquisition regulation or the FAR, but for the U.S. government for NGA, that's, that's the long pole in typical, typical uh, acquisition, right? We, we, we take a long time to go procure something, right? And then by the time we've delivered six months, six years, whatever later, the need is gone, right? So we're delivering something well past when the customer needed it. Well, with the use of this contract vehicle that, that we had in place, we were able to go to Amazon and say, hey, let's get that, that snowball edge. Let's deliver a petabyte of usable storage and let's put some, some cloud at the tactical edge, right? And so uh, in addition to being able to store the content, right, on, on this awesome snowball edge, right, we were able to deliver it in a variety of locations, right? We're able to, to obtain the content and receive it from a flight line. So say a, a plane lands and we need to grab data, we can, we can stick a, a snowball edge out there and grab the data. If we need to take data, right, because I meant, uh, back to Mrs. Start Day, right? She created it in a central location. That, that for us would be the cloud, right? So we need to take that data from the cloud and move it out. So we also take the data, we load it from the cloud, so we have Amazon load us data up, and we ship it out. So, but once we're done with it, the key is, right, so say we've collected it out there in you know, the far reaches of the world, we then ship it back to Amazon and either they, they store it for us or they dispose of it. So let's talk about one more thing, right? So uh, in addition, like I said, to uh, moving data, we host commercial applications, right? We, we host government applications. And yeah, the, the hardest thing that most people would think about on a snowball edge, we host databases, right? So we're actually storing data in databases and, and doing that on an edge, right? So, so most folks are like, wait, you're, you're, you're not just moving data, you're not just hosting applications, but you're, you're really hosting databases. Yes, we, we have a very large set of databases running on these boxes, right? So um, in addition, I, I mentioned the, the FAR and the ability to uh, acquire the devices. Well, let, let's talk about refresh, right? Who's behind the curve, right, on refresh? I'll be the one to raise my hand and say we're behind the curve, right? Imagine, imagine five years or seven years, and, and that's your refresh cycle. Well, with the Snowball Edge, we're looking to do that like in a six-month basis or a, an eight-month basis. And, and I'm not trying to project timelines, but imagine the ability, right, that you would have to refresh that technology at will, right? That's what we have with this box. So I want to introduce you to a little team here, right? So this is only a portion. This is a portion of 
what I'm going to call disruptors of innovation at NGA, right? This is uh, at our T-Rex Innovation Facility, or at the T-Rex Innovation Facility uh, in downtown St. Louis. And this is our first deployment that was getting ready to be deployed to the Tactical Edge in South Korea. Now, as you see there, it's in a room, right? It's just an office space. We literally just said, hey, we need an office. We're going to throw a whole bunch of these in your office, right? We need some power, so there's a big generator in the back, and you can see the power coming from the ceiling. It was so rapid, we literally, in the matter of two days, had over, I think it was 68 of those devices. Very small room, and we went to town, right? Many sleepless nights, right? Countless hours, the guy that's there in the front sitting down in khaki pants, he slept in that facility for a couple of nights to make sure we were successful, right? And, and, and that's what disruptive innovation is about. And that's what we're trying to do, right? So we're trying to break that mold of it's so rigid that we can't move, right? And so, so you're all the same, right? I, I can't see a face in here that's not willing or looking for the disruptive innovation that these folks did, right? So let's talk about what happened and what that screen is, right? So with the, new, with the newly developed Snowball Edge, right? And, and just released last night, the, the Snowball Edge Compute Optimized instance, right, is, is available as well now. We're using the storage optimized instances for obvious reasons, right? Petabytes of storage, we really need it, right? So industry always is looking for innovation. You're looking for innovation as well. We're looking for innovation. When, uh, when Amazon created the Snowball Edge, they achieved that innovation, right? And our, our leadership even, even went so far as to call it a true work of art, right? So now I want to give you an example of an application that we run on the devices, right? So we created, remember, remember back I said we were, we were developing our own applications? So we developed an application called iSpy. It originally was an application that we just wanted to be able to discover what was on S3, right? I mean, S3 was that nebulous thing, and you were like, whoa, what is object storage? Because in the government space, you're so used to using that local NAS or that SAN that you have. So going into S3 was like, whoa, I'm going to store something in there, but how do, I, how do I visualize it? How can I see it? That's where we started. And it has grown, right? It has grown into what you see on the screen, the ability for, for an analyst to go in or a user to just simply go in and, and, and view imagery, right? Very lightweight. Imagine being able to sit anywhere in the continental United States, and I could give you the IP of this Snowball Edge, and you could view our products in the same clarity that you would require any, to do any of our mission set, right? And it, it also provides us, right, again, the ability to read that data natively out of S3. It also provides our analysts something called an electronic light table, right? So an electronic light table is pretty simple. I'm going to take an image, and I want to take a snip of it. And I want to do some uh, annotations. So I want to go in and I want to mark it, or I'm going to take a video, I'm going to mark it, and I'm going to say, hey, that's a building, right? So you can probably see like a shoreline or in the one picture there, you can see some buildings. I'm going to go in and I'm going to mark that, right? Um, one other really cool feature of this, right? Remember I said that we built it? So we don't have to pay license costs if I give it to every user in this room, right? That's huge. Right? Because we own it. 
right? There's no special training required. You could log in and, and there's a couple, hey, if you need to know how to use me, click this little tutorial to show you how to, how to use the application. It was designed and built by the team that needed to use it, right? So imagine, right, what we do today, and, and, and I think we're all the same in this room, is, is we technology innovators try to push the technology to our end users. This, we took the end user and said, hey, help us develop it. So this was developed by those end users, right? Uh, another really cool feature of the fact is, is the fact that, again, we're hiring. We're hiring for folks to do cool stuff like this, right? So we own this application. We're, we're running it. It's ours. It's developed by us. Now let's talk about what we do for hosting commercial applications, right? Because you're, you're no different. You probably have your own developed applications and you want to run them. But let's talk about commercial applications. So we, we have ESRI, right? It's just one of the commercial applications that we needed to host data, right? We hosted it in their tool called the ESRI ARC uh, GIS portal. Now to us internally, we call it the ICGIS portal, right? Which stands for the Intelligence Community Geographic Information System Portal. That's just a place for you to go commonly share data. So we were like, hey, let's, let's go host that common application that everybody's aware of, right? I'm pretty sure there's a group of folks in here that could nod and say they know what this application is, right? So we, we wanted to ensure that the user teams were able to provide a common way for everyone to see the products that they created. So earlier we had iSpy and you're in there creating products. This will provide them a way to share that out. In addition to that, we use BAE's GXP Explorer. It's another commercial application, right, that we're running on the edge. GXP requires a lot of horsepower, right? It required a lot of compute and a lot of storage, transactional storage. We have that guy running on this box, right? The GXP uh, Explorer provides a high resolution graphics output for our users with the ability for them to view and even download the data. So you find the data that you want and you just download it, right? You might have a different client. You might want to input that into a PowerPoint or or some sort of um, Word document or whatever you're creating, it's simple, just download it. The other thing about GXP Explorer for us was again, natively being able to pull content from S3, right? And so, so the, the ability for these applications to just natively read data was critical, right? So let's talk about my one techie slide, right? So we're at a tech conference Right? I, I, I've gone through quite a bit of material. Let's talk about that one techie slide that I had to throw up for you. Right? So the Google Earth Enterprise Platform, right, or is what we call it, Jeep, um, is a, it's, a, it's a visualization tool. Right? Most of you use a, a mapping tool on your phone, and it probably right, receives data from the Google Earth Enterprise Platform. Right? So if you're, map, you're driving around and you're taking the wrong turn and the thing tells you to turn around and go the other way, it's probably getting that data. Right? And again, one of the keys here for us was the ability right there in the middle, it says ATAC plugin, right? That's a mobile phone plugin. We needed, right? We're not, we're not any different than anybody else. We had the need to provide mobile users the ability to use our data, right? So we, we employed Google Earth Enterprise Platform, right? So let's talk about uh, Pixia Hyperlook, right? So Pixia, 
is another commercial application, right, with the ability to serve data to handheld users, right? Hyperlook, it's pretty simple. It's a data access solution, right? You can, it'll catalog the data, it'll organize the data. They're all doing the same thing. Remember earlier I said each team wanted to do their own? They're all using the same repository, right? So the, the, the nice thing about getting back to the basics is we told each one of these teams, you have to use the same data repository, right? So even though every one of the tools that I told you can catalog and index their own data, they're all using that same common one petabyte storage architecture that we deployed on the edge, right? So I'm actually gonna go in and uh, take a look at a quick demo here and show you how the edge that we have running um, as soon as Scotty logs in. Should everybody remember that password? <laughs> so what we have here, right, is, is we wanted to show you, right? I remember earlier I said I, w I wasn't just going to talk about it, I was going to show you. So we had the opportunity and the distinct pleasure to be running a th the new compute-optimized device right here, right? So we are running what was just announced last night, right? We're going to show you if, if somebody said, hey, I, I need to know, I'm an um, emergency responder, right? And I want to know what's going on um, uh, with hurricanes, right? So right now I'm, I'm showing you Hurricane Florence, right? So we've got some data that was uh, used and collected for, for when the, the hurricane hit. So I'm a first responder and I come in and I'm going to say, hey, I want to click this button and go like this. Whoa, wow, there's some water. This town's underwater. Let's take a look at it. So you're very easily able to go and say, hey, we probably need to go take a look at this, right? There's some infrastructure <laughs> underwater. It's, it's, it's pretty bad, right? And, and, and the nice part is, is, is you can zoom in and zoom out, but, but the, imagine taking this and giving it to the local state and local police departments and first responders and saying, hey, Here's the latest data. I can plug it into the internet and I'm going to give you a live feed. And imagine being able to say, hey, that wasn't underwater before, right? I mean, I know it seems kind of simple, right? And, and it, it does seem kind of funny, but it's real. It's tangible, right? People don't see this every day. And so being able to put that on this edge is huge. It's, it's, it's groundbreaking in the fact that now I can give a first responder, I can give FEMA, I can give your state and local departments a box and say, hey, just plug in, hit this address, and all of your team can view this data. Um, and again, like I said, we're on, uh, we're, we, have a, we had the distinct pleasure to be able to, to show you that today. And you'll be able to actually go interact with it yourself. So if you actually want to go see what that application looks like, what the, the compute optimized device looks like, over on the expo floor, as well as the builder's fair, you can actually go see this, right? You can see real hands-on what not only this application looks like, but the new device that we're, we're starting to employ looks like. So let's talk about cloud, right? Where do you need it, right? Do you need cloud in North America? Do you need it in South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, the Pacific, right? We needed it pretty simple. I needed it in two major locations on our tactical edge, right? We, we needed to extend our enterprise where there wasn't anything. 
So we took and we put this Amazon Snowball Edge out there and we said, hey, let's make it work. And we did, right? So now what we're doing is we're working with uh, the, the US Navy, right? We're, we're expanding. We're putting it on ships, right? We're working, we're working to put it on C-130s, right? Where do you need it? Do you need to put it on a truck, right? Do you need us to put it on a boat, an aircraft, right? The whole goal for us is to be able to provide you, right, and the rest of the world, NGA products and services anywhere at any time. And so while I've been able to talk about a few successes, I mentioned earlier, we're looking for your help to go further, right? I'd like to run AI, I'd like to run ML on a Snowball Edge, right? We need, we need industry to tell us, hey, here's how you're gonna do it, right? We, we need folks to tell us, hey, we've got an application that can do the additional things that you need to be able to do, right? We're hiring developers, did I say that already? <laughs> I kid you not. My boss is in the front row and he would say, yes, we're hiring. Let us know that you have folks, you have talent, right? And, and I, I kid about it, but that iSpy application, imagine having the ability to go in and, and change that kind of environment for the rest of the world, right? Having that impact. So with that, we're actually gonna open it up to a few questions and I'm hoping I've got answers. Um, if not, I'll uh, refer over to Jerry Curl, but I wanna, I wanna open it up to some questions. And if, if I can't answer, bless you. If I can't answer, like I said, I'll, I'll punt to Jerry or I'll say I can't answer. I'm not gonna lie to you. So, anybody got questions? Yes, sir. So, can I just shout? Uh, if you can use the mic, that way everybody can hear. Okay. And we're also recording, so it'd be great. I could have done without that last bit. Um, so, not on. Oh, great. so, you're talking about taking these snowball edges and putting them around the world. It's not on. You're good now. Oh, am I? Wonderful. Perfect. Thank you. Um, <laughs> how are you going to update them? Right? You've got data on them. You've moved them around. That data's going to get stale. Yep. So how, how are you going to make sure there's a fresh so perfect coming through? So we have twofold. So, so what we do right now, so the... Uh, question about moving, moving data and making sure we keep it uh, fresh. So we do two things, right? So first, they're connected. So, and, and then when they're not connected, we send them another snowball, right? So, so when they're connected though, we're, we're bringing in new data, whether it's on a snowball edge or a hard drive, we're loading it right on the box, it's live, right? In addition, we're pushing data from the cloud into the box over the wire. Right, so we're making sure that that tactical edge has the freshest data. So then in the, in the event, so say, say you work for a, a, an oil company, right? You put this out there, the line cuts, you at least have some data. So for us, if our line gets cut, our team at least has some set of data. Does that make sense? Yeah. So really. we're using it in both ways. And we're, we're, the, the key is, is we're always providing them fresh data, whether, whether it's a new snowball edge from the cloud or a snowball edge that's collected data from a flight line and brought it into our, our, our environments. Cool, thank you. Yeah. Over here. Hi there, question about the software architecture. Yes. Um, is it purely using Lambda um, in Snowball at the Edge or using containers, for example, for your database servers? What's the underlying software architecture. Absolutely, so, so with respect to our architecture, it's pretty simple. So on the, on the new storage uh, compute, or storage optimized and the compute optimized, you have the ability as a consumer 
to put your own applications out there. So for us, we did it pretty simple. We loaded an operating system and we put the applications on, right? So now, now you have the ability to load up an EC2 instance and turn that EC2 instance on, right? So you can, you can store, uh, I think it was up, uh, upwards of 100, I think we were looking at, the ability to actually put 100 EC2 instances on the box and only turn on the ones that you want. So we could load up you know, 20, 30 applications and only turn on the EC2 instance that we want. The, the future is you know, limitless, so if, if, if for us, our, our goal is to be able to do some sort of container platform. Saw a question over here. With that much data moving around, how do you do data provenance and track its lineage? Absolutely. So, so we uh, remember I said we were we were hosting databases, right? So we, we keep a gold copy of that database back in in uh, our cloud repository, and we make sure that we have a, rever a revision history in the database where um, where we're at at the edge, right? And so we're able to constantly we have a we have a electronic file delivery system that says, hey, this database here and this database here, this one's old, so send the difference or the deltas, right? So we're making sure that uh, version one, if it's version three, we make sure that they get the latest update as fast as humanly possible. I mean, so, and if you think about it, right, if I give you the old version, and it, let's just say it was a flat, flat uh, field, and you're planning on landing a helicopter in that location to go save somebody's life, and somebody's built a building, we have an issue, right? So to your point, we are constantly updating that data and making sure that, that it's gold, right? We make sure that if, if version three is the latest one, we're looking back to say, hey, and we're doing it constantly, on an hourly basis, refreshing to make sure that all that content's gold. Good question. Right back. Over here, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. So have you seen any failures with the snowballs? The first four we received, we had to send back because they wouldn't work. What OSs are you using on those in the EC2 instances, and what's your boot up and, and recovery time after you get them installed? So I'm, I'm going to start with e e each question in order. So uh, we've had uh, two boxes out of 490-something that had an issue. Um, and those issues we've actually derived and pointed back to ourselves uh, in the sense that we're trying, we were trying to overdrive the storage optimized instance. And it, it is my belief that the compute optimized instance that we're running uh, now will be able to, to satisfy those two, right? So, so in, in theory, we had two boxes, but in actuality, I believe we had zero bad. Um, with respect to OSs, we're running them all. Including Windows or? We're running them all. We have, we have every operating system running on a Snowball Edge. Every single one of them. Okay, so our first Snowball that we plugged in that we had run took almost six hours for it to come up and actually be able to use Red Hat or Sentinel OS and NFS. So I will tell you that on, uh, we set this box up in the matter of 14 minutes this morning from the time we plugged it in power-wise till we had the demo ready for you. And that's about the average. Uh, one of the things that we've experienced is when the box goes on and off, like if you're re repetitively unplugging it, plugging it back in, which is not a good idea, um, <laughs> uh, it, it does take a little longer each time you do it. 
Uh, but we, we haven't had, we've, we've capped that time. Uh, so I'd say about 14 to 18 minutes is, is roughly that, that uh, uh, longevity time. You mentioned uh, being a work of art, you guys really liking this innovation. Can you comment generally on your experience working with Amazon versus a more traditional government or a defense contractor? Um, I, I would just say that we're, I like to be innovative, right? And so I, I don't care the name of a group. Um, you're innovative, I love working with you. Um, and it's not that I don't like any group or another. I'm gonna continue to work and so will our agency with, with all of our partners. We're a partner in this, right? I mean, we look at it as a team, right? And, and every partner, every industry person that's out there, we're gonna work with everybody. We're inclusive. Two questions. Uh, one is, uh, how do you get the ops users to share data if they don't want to share? And the second question is, what kind of uh, security classifications are the data stored? Is it up to secret or more? Um, so I'm going to talk about the first one. We can talk offline about the second one. So the first one is pretty simple, right? When you use our stuff, we create account ops and say, this is how you're going to do it. If you want to use this system, right, to have the latest access and, and provenance of the right data, when you store the data, it's, it's not a question of if you have the opportunity. When you, store it in, when you store it in any one of those tools, we're cycling it back. We're, we're having the, the application vendor or the, the owner themselves create the notification to the other applications. So as an end user, you don't have the ability to say no, right? We're making it because we want to share data, right? The problem we all have, everyone in this room, everyone in this room has the problem of, I want my own copy, or I have, we have people that say, I got my shoebox, right? I'm gonna store my data in my shoebox, and the only way Joe is gonna know about my data is if he comes to me. That doesn't happen. In this environment, we're letting everyone know because that's the best way to do it. With shipping these snowballs all over the world, um, what, how, how do you handle classification concerns and classified data? So for, for us, it's, uh, we, we use the encryption and we encrypt our data, right? We all encrypt data. And, and you can read about the rest of the security modules and encryption that's on the box. They're, they're, they've passed our standards. We, we're using them in, in addition to mechanisms that we're doing, right? So we're, we're making sure that the data has key lifecycle updates, right? So the boxes, if you're not familiar with the Snowball Edge, we actually, when we order them, they're set for a life cycle, right? So when that key expires, the data is unusable. We vary that so that, you know, I, we don't want anybody to know when our keys are going to expire. In addition, we encrypt on top of that. Does that help? Yeah. Um, can you use this in an isolated uh, network environment? And second question is, is there any plan to use uh, some kind of... Uh, Elasticsearch or some kind of data, data analytics uh, service in the future to add it, add it on? So, so first question, yes. So we're using in, in a disconnected environment. Uh, on the example, when I talked about we're working with the Navy. So their intent is when they're underway, they're not going to be able, they're not going to have the communication going back and forth when there are certain times. So they're going to have to stay disconnected. So the whole intent and the whole design for us when we built these was the purpose that we know, right? We all know that somewhere 
there's going to be a guy or a gal that's going to use a backhoe and they're going to dig up the line. It's happened. We've all had it happen. Our point of designing the solution the way we did is for that disconnected state, right? Um, and then the other question was elastic, right? Yes, we're, we, are, we are actively pushing our teams for an elastic environment so we can do that data analytics to say, hey, the data that we're storing, is it, is it necessary, right? Are, are there pieces of the data that users aren't using? Question for you on uh, disconnected or very low speed um, sites, for instance. Uh -huh. How do you push the data back to kind of the mothership um, for further analysis? Because I can see Edge being very useful for collecting the information, but then when you want to do further analysis on that data, how do you get it back to the actual data center? Perfect. So, so there's two, two responses to that. So first, we're shipping snowballs, right? That's the easy one. There's a guy back there. Um, but the second one goes back to the Navy, right? So I brought up the Navy again. We're, we're partnering with the Navy for that use case. They've already tested sending over a very small, like, soda straw link using SATCOM, and they've been successful at moving our size equivalent files back and forth. So from the cloud to the box and from the box to the cloud in that disconnected environment. And we're also working with you know, various, various folks across the globe. I mean, I'd love to work with anyone to say, hey, I've got a, a mechanism to, to send that data. Yep, so, so uh, he didn't have a mic, so I'll repeat it for everyone. So he said, hey, wh what are you doing? Are you doing something in addition to um, when they're using a 256K or a one meg line, how are you getting the data? Well, it's pretty simple. Those are larger than what the Navy's using. They're using a 64 or a 32K SATCOM link, and they're able to send the data. They're using two things. We have two, uh, they're using two applications. One's a commercial product, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, you can get with me afterwards, and I can, I can try to look it up for you. But the other one is we're, we're just using a, an open source um, Niagara Files uh, service. And, and using that to send the data across the wire is phenomenal. Uh, back in the back. Uh, is this on? No. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, with the transfer of data that we're talking about here in, an, in a disconnected state, um, how are you running into any problems with uh, essentially somebody collecting data uh, at one point and then you've then they're disconnected they're still collecting data and I take it they're updating this databases and all of that uh, and then all of a sudden they pop back up and now they have data to share with you while you're sharing with them and then the revision history are you experiencing any problems with you know cataloging all of that information and the time that it takes to get it back and forth? So good question, no. The, the, the very short, simple answer to that question um, is no. Uh, essentially what we're doing is the folks that are collecting at, at the edge, they're collecting fresh data that is different from what we're collecting, say, say in the Amazon uh, region, right? So they're two different data sets, so they're both needing to be transferred, one from the edge in, right? And, and we have that use case where they're collecting a lot of data at the edge, and we're pushing it, right? And, and in some cases, again, we're literally taking a, an extra edge, and we're shipping that back to make sure that the teams are aware of that data. So, so we're keeping that pro provenance and, and province of the data 
very clear from site to site. Yes, sir. Uh, how long did your ATO take? <laughs> hey, hey, he's pretty good, he's pretty good. Um, from the time of first submission until we were complete eight and a half weeks. So, and, 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 uh, and when I say eight and a half weeks, that's, that's from initial submission of the request of the system to the special authority to operate. I mean, that, that's huge. And, and yes, if you're a government organization, we're willing to help you with that data, right? I mean, and, and I know that that sounds kind of silly, but I want you to have those same lessons learned that we had, right? Because there were some things that we had to do that we didn't anticipate. Remember I said we're, we were through those changes? There were some of those security changes that we had to do that we didn't anticipate. Yes, sir. Um, how are you managing uh, the security and kind of integrity of the data for the stuff you're backhauling? So you've got loads of devices on the edge kind of connected to your crown rules almost. How are you making sure that stuff people are doing on those isn't going to come back and pollute your main environment? So, so good question. So we're, again, going back to that provenance of the data, right? Well, I'll even talk about the application side. So we're making sure, so our, our applications to his ATO question um, are, are hardened in the sense that when you do something to that application, it knows whether it's, it's a good thing or a bad thing. But unless something is absolutely like pristine, teams take that. We have multiple iterations, right? We have multiple reviewers. So when a, when a, a user, an end user creates something, right? So, and I'm talking about data, data provenance now and, and somebody messing up that repository, that, that user, nine times out of 10, is not a user that's gonna publish gold. Right? We have wickets not only in, in the application workflows, but in user workflows, right? Because there's only certain folks that are going to be able to see something and go, yeah, that's a building and it's 70 feet tall, right? And they're going to be able to push that out. We have those workflows and, and we, we keep those in place regardless of it's on, if it's on a snowball edge because that's the, again, going back to the basics. We're not going to forget about those, those checks and balances because if you do, that's where you're going to fail, right? And we said right up front, hey, we're going to address it. We're going to say, hey, this is an issue. Make sure it's out there, right? And so we bring that, we bring that with us. Yes, sir. Um, question about, uh, I guess, multinational collaboration. So I saw on the map that you presented um, some black holes on your map, specifically China and Russia. So, yeah, I know. Hey, if you um, need it there, if you need it there, that's, I mean, I, for me, I didn't even put where, where we wanted to go, right? We would probably have stars everywhere, right? And, and, but the, the thing was is to get, get the point across for that, that slide about where is for us, we went to the far reaches of the world where people don't have telephones and put them. And the, the point of that chart was very simple. If you need it in one of those locations, I, you, you could try it. I mean, I can't, I can't say that I'm going to go to either one of those locations and put one, but you could. Okay, fair enough. That's pretty simple. I mean, I can't put it there. I saw one back here. Uh, how do you resolve um, inconsistent data? To use your example of a field that suddenly has a building in it, you get an uh, image back from a snowball um, edge that has a building your central uh, repository, your, your single source of truth has an image that doesn't have a building in that field. 
how do you resolve that? It goes back to this question right up here about making sure that they're not gonna, they're gonna, not gonna do something that, that's not right. An analyst or an end user is gonna make an observation and say, hey, I've got this. And then when they make that, right, a part of that iSpy solution is the ability to go in and, and clip out and say, hey, here's the building or here's that 70 foot tall structure that I saw. And then they're gonna pass that back. And, and through those checks and balances, a group of end users, right, are gonna see that and they're gonna go, we need to go make that notation in the, the gold repository and bring that image in and say, hey, that 70 foot building that you saw really is a building. And oh, by the way, we've now made that gold change. So again, it goes back to the workflow, right? And the ability that, that just because it's on a snowball edge in that tactical environment doesn't change the fact that you have workloads or you have workflows and business logic, right? What we did is we expanded it out there and said, you are the first person, make that known and we'll run it through our workflows. We don't, we don't drop the workflows just because it's at the tactical edge. All right, any more? Any more? Oh, we got another one right here. Have you, have you experienced any issues with uh, the tactical edge corrupting the data that you have? Much like what the gentleman back here was saying, uh, okay, I see a 70-foot building in a tactical environment, and you go through your whole workflow and realize that, or something goes wrong, and literally that 70-foot building wasn't there. It's just a, you know, analyst error. So how do you overcome that? So or is I'm, it just based on the uh, the workflow? It, so let's take uh, let's take the scenario um, both ways. I'm going to talk about the workflow scenario. I'm going to talk about corruption, right? Because because there's two keys there in what you said, and I want to make sure I hit both of them. So that workflow, right? Everything that we do is based on human review, right? So as that user views that and sees that 70 foot building, he passes it along. It gets all the way to one of our final reviewers and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's not really a 70 foot building there. Here's the latest, here's the latest picture, right? So you guys collected it on, I don't know, three March. I've got the one from one April. It's not there. It must've been a temporary structure. So then they go back through that, that cycle and they go back to the guy and he collects another one and he says, hey, it's, it, you're right, it's gone. That's the key of that workflow and it happens all the time. Right now, I do want to go back, and and you you mentioned something about um, uh, data and, and any sort of corruption. So, so truth in, in in advertising. Remember earlier, I think this gentleman asked about the uh, the devices and if we've had any failures or anything like that. We caused our own corruption because of the way we were interacting transactionally with the data. We caused our own data corruption. So, what did we have to do? We flushed the whole thing. Nearly a petabyte worth of data, we flushed it and reloaded it, right? Because our workflow came back and said, that thing that you thought was over here isn't there anymore. You try to, you try to view it in S3, can't view it, we flushed it. Because of what we did and the fact that we were able to see it quickly, right? Because of those workflows and because of the way the applications are trying to view the data, we were quickly able to restore that. Right? Users saw maybe a, an hour, two hours, I believe, of downtime. But the fact was is the second that the user logged in and we had it refreshed, they were like, wow. It was, it, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable time for us to be able to see our failures that fast right? and, and be able to restore that fast. 
right? So that, that, that was a good question. And I don't think you were going there initially, but I wanted to be clear that we have failures, we've done it wrong, and, and being able to learn through the restoral of our own services and being able to have the teams go, hey, I can restore that data. Any other questions? Right up front. Hold on, I wanna get you on a the mic there. Sticking a feedback. Um, so you had mentioned about uh, being interested, working with industry for machine learning and artificial intelligence algorithms, et cetera. Who would we contact for those of us in the room to? Uh, so, so we have an organization uh, for at our organization called Corporate Communications. Send them a note and say, hey, we, we would like to we would like to uh, support. Now the guy that's got the microphone now is actually my boss, so he's probably going to have a better answer. No, I've got a question instead. <laughs> So I, I keep hearing these same questions over and over again, and, and I'm going to try to maybe lead you on something here, and I don't know, Amazon maybe can lead it too. But obviously, a lot of the questions are about um, you know data back and forth, data synchronization, and all that kind of stuff. So Amazon does one thing well when they, when they can do stuff across regions, like with Aurora or S3 synchronization, some of that standard out-of-the-box stuff. I can imagine having hundreds of these at the edge, you'd want those same kinds of services. Do we do we plan on does Amazon plan on on offering those kinds of services with these boxes? So I'll tell you the exact answer um, for what services came on the compute optimized last night, right? Are some of those additional services, and then the rest of the services are actually there's, there's a team at the expo floor that will talk explicitly about this service, uh, and I'll talk about S3 Sync, right? I'm going to make it up and and and, and tell you that it's coming, but. S3Sync is a service that, that I would personally love on the Snowball Edge because I've got cloud regions all over the world. Imagine being able to use S3Sync. And so Amazon can break down and tell you what they're putting on the Edge right now, what the, the, the Compute Optimize instance has on it. Um, I'm not going to try to oversell or undersell what's there, but I can tell you the release last night um, is literally sitting right there. So with respect to additional services like that, the Expo 4 team has an entire booth set up with the snowman rack, which is eight snowballs. You can go take a look at it, and they'll tell you about those additional features. You had a question over there, sir? Thanks. I have two questions. Um, one, the data replication and synchronization across the multiple snowballs. Uh, how much of that was infrastructure that you had to build, and how much of that did you kind of get from Amazon? And secondly, totally separate question, to what extent are the field analysts using the snowballs able to do advanced image analysis in the field just with, this, with the edge systems that they have? Perfect, so I'm gonna take the first one uh, about uh, data replication. We already had the systems, right? So we're using existing in-house solutions that we developed, right? Or, or even our partners at DISA developed to transfer the data. Um, to, to the questions earlier, we are looking to Amazon and other you know, industry partners to say, hey, here's how we're gonna be able to, to handle that for you. We're, they're gonna take that off our plate, right? So if somebody has a solution that, that moves the data even faster, even more efficient than a 64K or a 32K link, I'm all ears, right? Uh, with respect to, um, your last question about how are they using it and doing advanced analytics, absolutely, uh, they are. 
um, to the quantity of, I think we're over 3,000 unique users using one of the systems in one of the locations. And, and they're, they're literally logging into the system, performing that analytic or that function or end user analysis without having to have a very thick, very expensive workstation. They're doing it in most, in most situations, they're doing it with a thin client, right? And using those tools without having to pay for a very large, thick client app uh, uh, desktop. And for us, that's huge because now, if that user goes to a different country and say the, the, the nodes we've deployed have the data that that user is looking for, then they can hit that same node and, and they can be quite a distance away, right? I mean, we, we, we haven't quite, you know, vetted out the, hey, how far can you go from this box? Because I don't want people to be sitting in, in I don't know, we're in Las Vegas. I don't want somebody sitting in Las Vegas to hit the, the nodes that we've put in, in our edge. I want the folks that are sitting at the edge to hit the edge. But with respect to your question, our analysts are loving it. They're, they're jumping on and, and using the Odyssey solution in our applications that we have out there, and, and they're just on it over and over and over again. Yes, sir, right up here. Man, that, ask that question again on that microphone. How much replatforming did you have to do? Okay, are you ready for this answer? Yeah. None. We didn't replatform, we didn't redesign, we didn't redo anything. I've got some of the vendors and some of the developers in this room right now, and they'll tell you they didn't, they didn't have to do anything. What they did is for the, the, the data usage, right? In order to use the edge, they didn't re redesign their application, right? In order to use that common repository of data, instead of using some of the cloud native services that my boss you know, really, really wants, we're, we used Kafka messaging, right? So that we can notify our applications. So that all they had to do, and they didn't even re-platform, they just said, hey, use Kafka instead of a cloud service. That's it. We literally hosted, literally took off-the-shelf off applications or our existing applications that are running in, in AWS regions, and we put them on the box. No replatforming. Pretty simple. Sound, sounds like you did a lot of work the first time around before you said, how do we use them on Snowball compute devices or something else? We, we, I mean, we, we've done some re-wickering in order to get into the cloud, right? Because, I mean, it's different. It's not the, the same static environment that you know, you're using on bare metal or, or even in you know, other virtual environments. So, so yes, to that point, we, we did do some getting in there, um, especially around the security are arena, you know, looking at, you know, oh man, that's a hypervisor and it's, it's doing things different, right? Um, but, but with respect to it, once we got into the cloud, it's, it's literally anything that we had in there, we just grabbed it and put it on the box. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Got time for maybe one or two more questions. Anybody else? All right. So with that, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I'm supposed to tell you thank you. And then Jerry over here, uh, appreciate you, sir. And just make sure that uh, according to the Amazon folks, they want you to take a survey about how well we did. And uh, if you'd like to uh, hear us again in the future. Thank you.